When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the One Short Cricket Podcast, the Sports Gazette's official cricket podcast. I'm Toby, joined as ever by Ayush. How are you, mate? I'm doing well, Toby. How's everything with you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, we're also joined by Michael. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thinking about Ayush and Sunny at this hard time, but yeah, I'm good. I think you could get it a little bit from our tones and Sunny more than me. We'll talk about that later, I think. Yeah, there's a there's a lot lot to talk about um, on this podcast. Obviously, the World Cup final took place yesterday, and what a final it was! Two great sides going up against each other, and the Australians came out on top. Ayush and Sunny, obviously, both big Indian fans, a bit disappointed. How how are you guys feeling, and and what do you think the biggest problem was for for this Indian side, or, or was it just luck and they they lost to a sort of a better side or, and in a lucky circumstance? Uh, well, I think combination of two things. One was definitely that the conditions played their part. And the moment that Australia bat first in those conditions, they were, you know, they were the favourites. It was, I think, a very good toss to win for them. Even the Rohit Sharma at the toss said that he would have all he would have anyway batted first had he won the toss. But I think there was more of a more of a mind game more than anything. Because Batting first on that wicket was, uh, I mean, batting second on that wicket, I think, was the way to go. We've, we even saw it with the first match that it, it was, in a way, the way the tournament started, it ended that way as well. England, New Zealand played the first match of the tournament at this wicket, um, where you could see England struggling with the conditions, slow, uh, two paced wicket when England batted. And then Devin Conway and Rachin Ramindra came in and absolutely smashed the England bowling. It was a completely different wicket in the second innings altogether. So this pitch has behaved a little bit uh, two-paced and unpredictable that way. But uh, I think more than anything, it is it is just the Australian way of doing things. And it is the mentality, in my opinion, is what separated the two sides yesterday. Uh, Australia, I mean, every time you... I, I think the biggest mistake in cricket is to write an Australian team off. All of us, so many of us did that after especially the first two games. And once again, just like it was the case a couple of years ago when they won the T20 World Cup in the UAE, everyone had written them off because they were, let's be honest, they even at this ODI World Cup, they were far from being the best team of the tournament, but they found a way. And that's what Australia does. They Pat Cummins spot on with his captaincy. Their fielding was on point everyone contributing in some of the other ways. So, yeah, more than anything, it was just Australia too, too superior on the day. Yeah, well, are you suddenly, how did how do you think the Indians played and what could they have done to to win the World Cup, do you think? Well, to win the World Cup, we had to win that final match, which we didn't. Like, uh, I read an article on BBC Sport about this yesterday, which was, it said that the Cricket World Cup ended the same way it began, with a sense of 
hollowness and emptiness in the biggest cricketing venue in in the world like this time in the final it, the emptiness was in indian people minds and in the first match it was literally empty i'm just trying to process it all right now because we were we were hopeful of a win against australia especially when playing at home with all the crowd support 130000 indian fans at the biggest cricketing stadium on earth so that was a bit anticlimactic at least there was a lot more busy than uh, than the the first game of the tournament i'll say i mean what 100000 indian fans seemed to be enjoying the spectacle for for the majority of it i think until the travis head marnus labishane partnership sort of began to silence them a bit um michael i've been having a just having a look at the ahmedabad's results from the tournament they held five matches over the world cup four of them were won by the chasing side new zealand beat uh england by nine wickets pakistan beat in uh, so lost to india by seven wickets um afghanistan lost to south africa by five wickets and then obviously the final yesterday only australia beat england at that stadium do you think that sharma would have actually batted first as i mentioned or, or do you think it maybe would have been more of a sort of a double bluff and sort of trying to show a bit of confidence um in in his side yeah it's in, that's an interesting start i didn't i didn't realize that was the case um so that's really interesting uh i think india are a chasing team uh anyway you know no matter the pitch i think generally in the tournament in my opinion they've looked better when they've chased they've had some really comfortable wins chasing you know if you look back to when australia played india in the first match of the tournament it wasn't a comfortable chase australia had india 8 for 2 but the difference was kohli and rahul got in and they they had a target you know they knew how to, how they had to bat to reach uh, australia's total so it's it's t- it's a totally different ball game when you're chasing and you know we saw that yesterday with Travis Head and Labuschagne it was a bit anticlimactic i'd say it was a bit of a a bit of a boring final maybe after i mean the the india innings was exciting uh just seeing them seeing all the australia wickets but yeah once head and labuschagne got in you kind of knew it, it there was a ne- there was an inevitability about it it wasn't to be it's just one it's just one of those things really at the end of the day australia were the better team on the day and that's what it comes down to in the final oh yes india were the, by far the best team in the tournament but it's a final the best team on the day wins it and australia deservedly take that trophy home let's start at the the beginning of the game rohit sharma got india off to an absolute flyer ayush 47 from 31 almost trying too hard to be too aggressive it felt like at times um but he definitely seemed to be the most free flowing batter um on the day do you think that he was trying to show the rest of his team how to bat him and and aya were the only batters really to to score at faster than run a ball or do you think maybe he should have realized the wicket wasn't as strong and as good as he as he thought and tried to bat along with throughout the innings so it's it really is an interesting one with rohit's innings yesterday like you mentioned you know uh, i think he really set the tone throughout the tournament for for this new age indian batting template i should say the way that they've played uh, it showed with shreya sayar's batting as well with uh, you know the way kl rahul also played so many of his innings throughout the world cup but and it, it was the way to start and it came off again yesterday he's gotten a lot of these 40s and 50s in this tournament quick fire ones 30 40 ball 40s and 50s but 
um, he did the same thing yesterday. But I do feel that sensing how the wicket was, it wasn't a wicket like we saw in the semi-finals of Wankhede or some of the other ones that the team has batted on in past matches. Right from the start, India knew that this one's not the easiest of pitches, that this one's not going to be a 350 wicket or something like that. So there, I mean, I did feel that, okay, once he's set, because once Rohit gets past 50 or 60, we all know what he can do. And it doesn't matter what kind of wicket he's playing on, if it's slow, if it's two-paced. In that situation, I just felt like, you know, maybe he could have stayed on a little bit longer, especially if you look at his dismissal. He hit Maxwell for six, for four. All credit to Maxwell to kind of take the gamble and again, you know, invite him with a flighted delivery for him to go after. And he did just that. He took the bait and yeah, Travis Head's catch was out of this world, especially in a World Cup final. But yeah, uh, Australia were credit were rewarded, I should say, for their bravery. And I think maybe over there, Rohit Sharma could have done a little better, especially knowing that, okay, Shreya Sayer is playing his first World Cup final. There's going to be nerves. Surya Kumar Yadav wasn't really tested throughout the tournament. And all of those things eventually did backfire. So others could have, especially I think maybe KL Rahul at some stage could have really taken a cue from Rohit Sharma, even Ravindra Jadeja when he came on came into bat. Another guy who wasn't tested at all. But uh, yesterday especially I felt if he could have carried on for at least 10 or 15 more overs, uh, it could have been a difference of at least 45 to 50 runs. Which would have probably taken it to a, at least a pass score and a, and a much more defendable total with the Australians knowing that it had to go a bit harder um, throughout and Labashain wouldn't have just sort of gone dead bat and tried to bat through test style. Um, Sonny, Kale Rahul, as Ayush mentioned, almost went a completely opposite approach to Rohit Sharma. He scored 66 from 107, pretty much test match style batting. Do you think that he may be... Once, once Kohli was out as well, and and he was batting with a bit more sort of the the lower order, um, the lower order batters, he maybe should have tried to be a bit more proactive. Or do you think he batted pretty much as well as he could have done in in the circumstances? Well, I think a bit of both things. He was trying to preserve the wicket as well as trying to you know put a big score on the board, but he wasn't able to do that because he was. Like you said, he was playing a test match innings, I guess. And he was playing in an ODI. And at one point, I also started questioning whether this guy should be on the pitch or not. Because he was he was using too many balls. In such circumstances, when you're playing a final against Australia, even though he was playing at home, he had a sense of pressure after Rohit and Virat went back to the pavilion. So yeah, I think that pressure got to him. That's why he played that that innings. He tried to preserve the wicket and just defend whatever whatever was happening. Like I said earlier, that Shreya Sayer and uh, I think to an extent Shubman Gill also. These guys are really young lads playing a World Cup final at home, so nerves can be quite apparent with these with these people. But I do hope that in the coming years they'll they'll acclimatize and then just go with the flow. This Indian lineup has a has a very good mixture of experience and and youth. So there there will be a lot more for them to go forward forward with and with the T Twenty World Cup next year and Champions Trophy the year after that. I think they've got a lot a very good base to build off of. 
Michael, Virat Kohli and Kel Rahul put on the best part of 50 together and was probably the strongest partnership within the side. How did you think Kohli batted? And he obviously got a very, very good ball from Pat Cummins that just climbed on him a bit too much um, as he was trying to run it down to third man. Were you impressed with how he batted? He obviously ended up as the leading run scorer in the World Cup as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he, I think he was... Uh, I mean, it's between him and Kel Rahul who was the best uh, Indian batter on the day. But... Um... Yeah, the the issue Kohli had for me is that there's so much pressure on him. If Shubman Gill and Rohit Sharma go out, kind of, you know, Shubman Gill only put four runs on, goes out early. There's so much pressure on Kohli then to have a good innings because if Kohli goes out and there's a few more wickets fall, the tail is just so poor for India in terms of batting. Mohammad Shami came in number seven. Am I right? Am I right in saying that number seven? Uh, num- number eight, I think he was. Number eight, yeah. Well, yeah. Either way, he came in when they were on what two hundred runs. That that shouldn't be happening. They were definitely too reliant on their top batsmen, and I think that definitely played a part in how the top order bat because you have to bat more conservative, uh, more conservatively, um, when there's not that kind of quality beneath you in the order um but yeah i think i mean coley is my player of the tournament i think uh, he's had an amazing tournament it's, it's been his tournament i think it's just a shame he couldn't lift the trophy so yeah he was he was good yesterday and i think uh yeah probably the standout indian batter along with carol mm. yeah the indian tale was well, as we as we've talked about a lot, to be fair, since that Hardik injury and Thakur therefore being dropped can be exposed, and it it was pretty much their one weakness, you could argue. Sirakumar Yalav as well came in for Pandya when he got injured. Ayush, that was quite a big loss that Pandya injury, and Sky really struggled. Eighteen from twenty eight yesterday, he didn't really seem to know when to attack and when to defend, and and got bogged down quite a lot. Not really finding the best shots, which is saying quite a lot when you know that he's probably got one of the biggest artillery of shots within or shot selection uh, possible at the World Cup. I mean, Surikumar Yadav's innings yesterday was, I think, a summary of his ODI career so far. It's just that, you know, it's just, I think it's it's a battle in his mind right now of how to approach an ODI innings. Whether, you know, he should just go out there from ball one, play freely, that the, the way he plays in T20 cricket, which can be a gamble, especially in situations like the one yesterday uh, when it comes to ODI cricket, or then, you know, just stay there, buy this time, and then try to go big. Yesterday, he definitely had to play the situation, and you could see on that wicket, the, with the ball, what it was doing with the skill that the Australians had, it was a problem for him. Hardik, and I thought yesterday, and, you know, I was watching the match with uh, Sunny, Manas, and a couple of others, and I told them that this situation is tailor-made for Hardik Pandya. He thrives in such situations. And he is definitely, I think, even a better batter uh, at that position than Surya Kumar Yadav in this format. Uh, coming in at the number six, seven, whenever he can come in. Uh, and, I mean, he would have known the exact way to kind of, you know, compile that innings. It's a different thing that is bowling also. India could have really used this bowling yesterday. And... The thing that I really feared as soon as Hardik Pandya announced, uh, you know, that he would not be playing for the rest of the tournament a few weeks ago, all of that, you know, 
it, it all kind of hit back at India when it shouldn't have. The, the one match when it shouldn't have, and that was the final. So yeah, Surya Kumar, I think, yeah, it was just that he's he was very much you know, unsure of how he had to approach that. with And, and constantly with wickets falling at the other end, because he came in after Jadeja, but then uh, he, he lost Jadeja and then so many others. And then he was, I think he was the ninth wicket then to fall. So quite a few guys, uh, these, a couple of them got out, you know, along, I mean, while he was at the other end and there was just some more pressure building. And I think the Australia, the Australians played the situation perfectly. They know sky scoring shots they know where to bowl and where not to bowl to him. And on this wicket especially, they used the combination of what they knew about him and what the wicket was doing and completely bogged him down. So, yeah, another guy playing his first World Cup final and the pressure told. Sonny, I just mentioned it there, but Pat Cummins' captaincy, I thought, was was very impressive throughout the game. Obviously, a slight gamble uh, in, in at the toss, Um Sort of choosing maybe what a lot of people wouldn't have wouldn't have expected from from the Australian side. He then I thought mixed up his bowlers very well. Brought Maxwell in before himself before Adam Zampa to try and get that crucial wicket of Rohit Sharma, which it seemed to work out very well. Um, as and he's actually brought Maxwell in quite early a lot of the times it seems. And then yeah, mixing up the bowling. Were, were you impressed with Pat Cummins? And do you think that maybe his captaincy was the difference in the game compared to maybe Sharma who? who maybe made a few mistakes throughout as well. Yeah, I think definitely. Yesterday, he was the standout captain. And also, I, I guess, the standout player as well when Australia were fielding in the first innings. Because uh, a day earlier in the press conference, I think he had said that there's nothing more satisfying than silencing a crowd which is 130,000 strong. And at that time, I thought that, is he being a bit overconfident that Okay, we are in the final and we'll silence this Indian crowd. But he and the rest of the Aussies managed to do just that, which like I give credit to them because they came in our own backyard and beat us in the final. And his captaincy was spot on, I, I guess. And Rohit crumbled when uh, those precious situations came to confront him in the second innings as well. You could see, see it on his face and in, in his body language as well. And it's a it's a bit disheartening to see such a great player not having won a World Cup because he deserved this one and the entire team as well. But yeah, it it leaves a bitter taste in our mouths that we were so close to within touching distance of that cricket World Cup and we couldn't just take that last level, having a bad day at the office at the very end. Uh, yeah, a large core of that Indian side definitely well, almost definitely won't be playing in another World Cup. Sharma turns 37 fairly soon. Shami's pretty on, on the older side of things. Jadeja, Ashwin, who obviously didn't play that big a part in the tournament, unlikely to play another ODI. Even Syracuse and Yadav's 33, Virat Kohli as well. So they still have a lot of youth within that squad who they'll be able to utilise. But it, I think this is almost the end of an era for, for the Indian side. On the other side of things, Michael, though, this Australian side, over the last sort of cycle, the last four years, they've won a T20 World Cup, an ODI World Cup and a World Test Championship, which seems somewhat crazy when when you look back a few years ago, a lot of them hadn't really proven themselves, it seems, on the big stage. And then they've gone and won three major tournaments in, in as many years. We, how impressed have you been by, by this Australian side generally? And 
Obviously, Pat Cummins is, is a major factor. He'd only captained two ODIs before they turned up to India before the tournament. Um, and, and he's gone and won a World Cup at his first go of trying. Yeah, he's doing a pretty good job in this uh, captaincy gig. You know, he's making it look quite easy. Yeah, like you said, World Test Championship at the start of this year. Retained the ashes in the summer. Controversial circumstances, of course. Not really deserved. But, and now he's won the ODI World Cup, which he is called the pinnacle. Um, yeah, fair play to him. You know, they just they seem to just find a way to win. Because they never, they never look outstanding. You know, they've always... They always seem like they've got weaknesses in there. You know, when you compare them to India, India this tournament, they just look like they've got everything, you know. I mean, I know they said I said their tail isn't very good. Maybe that's their weakness. But India just look like they're on another level. When you compare Australia, there's clear weaknesses there. But maybe it's a mentality thing. You know, they just find a way to get through. You know, the likes of Glenn Maxwell having two, making 201 against... Um, Afghanistan, which was just incredible. Like stories like that are the, they're the they're, that's that's the sort of thing that wins you a World Cup. It's those those big player moments, and I'm I'm not sure. Maybe other countries just are lacking that. You know, we've seen with England's dominance uh, recently. You know, in white ball, it's coincided with Ben Stokes becoming one of the best players in the world. You know, like you you need those players that will just have these miracle moments who are going to to win the tournaments. So, yeah, uh, I I think they've done really well the last few years. They've won five of the last seven ODI World Cups as well, which is a crazy stat. Uh, it's been their tournament in this, um, in the 2000s, for sure. So, yeah, hats off to Australia. Definitely surprising a lot of people. The obvious player of the match and, and standout player within... Arguably, the the knockout knockout stage of this tournament was Travis Head's Ayush, 137 off 120, made scoring seem pretty easy. Attacked early on, went back into his shell after Australia lost a few wickets, and then towards the end just went ballistic and, and dismantled the Indian bowling attack. How impressed were you with him? He won the man of the match in the final and the semi final, and scored 100 after returning from injury. He's been absolutely fantastic for the short period of time he's been playing in this World Cup. I'd also like to give a shout out to you, Toby. A couple of nights before uh, the final, you said that Travis Head is definitely one of the contenders for player of the tournament. And he he proved he proved you right in the final when it mattered the most. So, yeah, he, he was so good. Uh, it's just, you know, in the semifinals, it was, uh, you know, in that low score, his batting was important, but his bowling was so important. We spoke about it the other day, the two crucial wickets that he got uh, in that semi against South Africa. Then he comes up yesterday, takes what was probably a match-defining catch of sorts with Rohit Sharma, and that was such a great catch, very difficult, running backwards and you know on the dive, and it was just it was so good to watch. Uh, and then his batting, and it wasn't just. I mean, Travis Head is known. What's what's most impressive about him is that you know he's known for being that explosive kind of batter. You know, uh, especially in test cricket, that's his role. He comes in at number five and his job is to attack, play at least a run a ball or close to run a ball and take the attack to the opposition. So Travis Head is kind of Australia's flag bearer of the baseball style in test cricket. But, you know, yesterday he showed a lot of maturity. I think that's what impressed me the most. 
it wasn't you could see it while there was that phase where he really had to you know stick it out he really had to stay there and just defend balls with bumrah shami move just making the ball talk the way they wanted in those first 10 12 overs and after that as well with spinners just came in it was still a very you know a very nervy phase for the australians at what 40 45 ish for 3 he knew he had to carry on and he showed such maturity at the time it wasn't that he went into a complete uh, shell i would say like we saw with kl rahul travis head's intent was still there he was still going after his shots and at the same time he was still you know making sure that he got singles twos every opportunity that he got less number of dot balls is kept rotating the strike along with manas labushain and that his maturity while during that testing phase as well his intent didn't go for a toss it was still there he was scoring slowly but he was still putting the pressure on the indian fielders and the bowlers continuously and constantly working some of the weaker fielders and making sure that he takes singles or twos wherever he could so throughout this tournament i mean it's just you come back after a fracture fractured hand and then he comes back scores 100 in the first game and then the final and so many important innings in the middle so it already showed where his confidence is and you know the kind of vibe that there is in this australian team as well where everyone knows their roles and there is that confidence that support from comins as the captain uh, mcdonald as a coach and the rest of the staff but the travis head specifically he's become really mature so uh, just fantastic to see how he's how he's done and it's it's actually a shame because this tournament uh, really should have had a lot more of travis head right from the start we could have seen a lot more special uh, lot more special performances from him if you would have gotten a chance to play from the first match yeah it's it's a bit of a shame he's been absolutely amazing throughout the whole the whole tournament he scored 329 runs from just six games averaging over 50 in the end um which is i mean mighty impressive my my outside bet is although he's only a year year and a half younger than pat cummins i can see him being australian captain at least in the white ball stuff at some point he was obviously vice captain for a while got injured and and then never really got the vice captaincy back but he seems to be be a, a good leader within the side if they gave him that sort of vice captaincy fairly young as well and i think particularly in the white ball setup maybe the t20s now that adam finch aaron finch sorry um retired um last year i think it was so maybe for the world cup he could be an outside bet as a, as a captain um but sunny when when australia were 47 for 3 how were you feeling i was just screaming and jumping up and down and creating a racket inside the tv lounge where we all were watching the match ayush told me later that Uh, a couple of girls sitting in the back they were scared that what's happening over here why why are these guys creating a racket what's happening and yeah, that that was a really uh, one of one of the good moments for me in the match but everything from there went downhill as travis head and lavushen and then obviously maxwell all of them travis head and lavushen stitched up a really crucial partnership and that just took the match away from us what do you think went wrong for for the indian side was there anything specific or just travis head and marlon slavishan just batted impeccably they were quite persistent as you're saying uh, 
Travis had scored 137 in what I think 120 balls. So he he knew that the score isn't unachievable. We we don't have to, you know, go all guns blazing in this thing. We just need to keep calm and just keep scoring runs, a single, a double, a boundary every over. That'll get us over the line. And that's what eventually happened. Like they took a very calm approach inside that sea of blue. They definitely didn't let the situation get 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 to their heads, which was, I think, very impressive. Before this, Michael Marnus was possibly being talked about about being dropped, probably the weakest batter within the ODI setup, and and definitely the least ODI ready. Do you think that actually the situation and the pitch just played perfectly into his hands, knowing that all he had to do was be there at the end, and Travis Head would be the one who could score at the rate that they needed to, to keep them in the game, and he just had to be there to to marshal. The rest of the chase. Yeah, it was perfectly set up for him, I think. I think he's definitely a test batsman, but he could bat this game out like it was a test match. Yeah, just kind of say, go on, Travis, do your thing. I'll be here with you, you know, the whole time. I'm not going to get out. Don't worry. Yeah, I, to be fair, I think Labashane actually hasn't been as bad as people think this tournament. I think Steve Smith has been Australia's worst batsman quite comfortably. I think he's been absolutely terrible this tournament. Labuschagne in the games that Australia have really struggled he seems to kind of be the one that kind of puts on about a 60 or a 70 um, like against England he's got 71 against the Netherlands he's got 62 he kind of he was kind of clinging on whilst all the other Australia batters um, kind of fell apart around him I think that's what Labuschagne gives you you know he, it's security and it's what Steve Smith maybe gave you a few years ago you know like he some some of these players, when they're on form, you just can't get them out. I mean, I know, and in a chase like that, when you're chasing a low score, like early 200s, those are the players you want and you need because they're just going to put on, you know, a half century or a century at 50 strike rate. But that's all you need. You just need people that won't get out. And it was perfectly set up for him. I think one of the Australian cricket journalists before the game, he, was, he kind of listed all the things that Australia had to do to win. And one of them was actually play Marnus Labuschagne because he's one of your best run getters, which is interesting. Because, you know, like I remember before on the podcast we did previewing the final, uh, me and you, Toby, both said uh, either Labuschagne or Smith should be dropped for an all-rounder like Stoinis or Green just because of massively improved strike rate that those all-rounders will give you. We've said it before in, in uh, the podcast, but in ODI and T20, you don't want Smith and Labuschagne in your team. You know, it's just it's too slow, it's too boring. Um, but it worked out for Australia yesterday. I guess I guess these are the these are the occasions where you you want a safe pair of hands, a Labuschagne, just uh, yeah, partnering up with Travis Head and in the match winning, World Cup winning partnership. So yeah, hats off to the Australia selectors and hats off to the Australia selectors as well for putting Travis Head in the squad at the start of the tournament, even though he had a broken finger. I mean, did they, did they, could they see into the future? How did they know that Travis Head was going to come back and become this, you know, tournament winning player? Like, it's, it's crazy. They're like mystics, these guys. So fair play to them. Yeah, it would, it would have been absolutely mental if Travis Head hadn't been fit all tournament and they maybe had another injury somewhere and just turned out they didn't have a big enough squad and ended up having to play a bit of a mixed side. I think the one thing that maybe the selectors knew or knew they had in the back pocket was the number of all-rounders they had. 
neither Stoinis nor Cam Green played today, nor did Alex Carey. Um, and Sean Abbott, who's who's a de- half-decent batter as well. Um, so I think they kind of knew that because their squad was so deep in so many ways that they could almost get away with carrying someone like Travis Head, who was only only going to be fit for the second half of the tournament, which definitely in, in, by the end of the tournament seemed like the best idea ever. And uh, and he's pretty much single-handedly, no pun intended, won the World Cup. Let's have a look, I think, at, at some of our, our predictions before the World Cup, um, which have all been some mixed success, I think is the best way to put it. We'll start with yours, Ayush. I think you probably had the best the best outcome with yours. You, like myself, said England were going to win, which didn't come very true. But you did call Virat Kohli as the leading run scorer. He won by an absolute mile in the end. Well, our England prediction was really, really bad. Uh, just kind of reiterating that. Uh, but yeah, with Virat Kohli, it's just that you saw the way he performed uh in the build-up to the World Cup, right? Especially the Asia Cup and some of the other tournaments where you could just sense the way he was batting that Virat Kohli is completely in the mood and he's on a mission. Especially after those couple of years of a really lean patch by his standards that he had had. And after that, he had finally found, um, you know, his form again. It, it just like he was a lot free in, in his mind more than anything else. Uh, you know, the way he's batted this year across formats, but especially in the ODIs and the build-up to the World Cup. And when Virat Kohli, when you look at him and you feel that, okay, Virat Kohli's in that kind of a mood, uh, it's difficult to bet against him. And I think that's that's why I went with Virat, uh, especially in these conditions playing in India. I know he is one of those guys, um, and that's what that's what makes him one of the greatest of all time, is that conditions don't really matter to him. But especially when he's playing at home, you know that, yeah, Virat Kohli is really going to want to try to own this tournament. I didn't see him scoring, what, 800 runs at the end of it, what it was, yeah. And 400s could have easily been uh, 600s throughout the tournament, a couple of 80s, 90s that he missed. So, I mean, I didn't see 800 runs coming, breaking that all-time record. But uh, eventually... It was there were parallels between the World Cup and what happened to him in the 2016 IPL, right? I mean, no one would have ever seen him anyone score 950 runs in one IPL, and he still ends up not winning the title and loses in the final. The same thing happened in the World Cup, so that's really unfortunate for him. But yeah, I think Virat, he just looked in the mood before the World Cup. It's weird. I was on the other boat. I kind of assumed that. He might have capitulated a little bit, but I mean, you called it right, and that's very impressive. Uh, you also went for Ravi Jadeja as as the player of the World Cup, who 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 was pretty impressive. Took sixteen wickets, same as uh, as Mitch Stark, who you thought would be the leading wicket taker. And Jadeja also came in handy with a bat a little bit at times. He he wasn't quite a standout, maybe as as he could have been, though. I'd say. Yeah. Uh... Well, with Jadeja, I, I really thought at the start of the tournament when we were discussing these things that I actually expected his batting, him to bat a lot more than he eventually ended up batting in this tournament. And I really thought that there would be a few matches, at least a couple of matches where Jadeja would win it win it with the bat. And I think that the only time he actually, apart from yesterday, uh, where he actually got you know real considerable 
batting time and got the opportunity to show what he could do with the bat was uh, I think that match against New Zealand where he really held one end towards the end when he and Kohli got going after a few wickets fell and he did really well. He got a 30-odd, almost 40-odd runs and saw India through. And then there was, I think, another game which was, I can't think of it, he scored a very quick fire, 25-30. I think it was against Sri Lanka, but he got a really quick fire score there as well. So that was that. But that's why I thought that Jadeja, you know, would come in handy with both bat and ball. Bowling, very good. Uh, maybe there were, even with the bowling, there were a couple of matches where he could have done a little bit more. And again, that's, I mean, 16 wickets is still really good, given that most of the work was being done by the likes of Shami, Bumrah to start start off with, and then Siraj as well on a few occasions. But, um, like, I mean, when Shami and Bumrah were getting so many wickets, there were very few for Ravindra Jadeja to eventually end up getting. So that, that way, 16 wickets was really good. But yeah, uh, could have had a better tournament. Uh, and again, it's it's difficult to say. At the end of the day, uh, the team could have very easily won yesterday and he would have still been one of the key performers of the tournament. I think it's almost credit to the Indian lineup that they didn't need Jadeja to bat that often. And that was almost maybe a downfall by the end of it where Sirakumayadav hadn't really batted that much. Their tail hadn't been exposed to a huge amount and... And when it came to the big occasion, they couldn't quite sort of, they weren't prepared for it almost. But I think it showed that how strong their top five was and possibly one of the top five batting lineups ever in World Cup history. Um, Now, Michael, you put a lot of your eggs in the the basket of Pakistan. You predicted them to win the whole tournament and Babrazam to be both player of the tournament and score the most runs. He ended up averaging 40 with the bat, which isn't too bad at all, really, when you sort of look at the grand scheme of things. And, and alongside uh, Mohammad Rizwan was probably one of Pakistan's most prolific run scorers. Do you think that in hindsight you maybe could have could have seen it coming, or or is it just one of those that Pakistan just was so up and down they they didn't really find any form in the end? Yeah, honestly, that prediction was just a gut feeling. It was just like I just went with my gut. So I know he averaged forty, but I don't think that tournament could have gone much uh, worse for Babarazan. To be honest, we don't know if he was sacked as captain. He probably was, and they had a bit of a stinker, but they got two more points than England, and you guys predicted England to win. So that's the real competition in it. Who who got the best worst prediction? Me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just didn't go to plan for Pakistan, did it? Their man England were definitely the disappointments of the tournament, but it's a prediction at the end of the day, you know. It's it's uh it's difficult to do before the start of the tournament, before you've seen all the teams play. Uh, and how many people predicted Australia to win, you know? Not many. Just Nick Friend, I think, by the sounds of it, which is uh, not a bad shout from him, uh, which does mean go. you have to go back and listen to his podcast, I think. It's, uh, it's episode nine, so go ahead and listen to, well, we broke down why England was so poor pretty much, and and he then went and called that Australia were going to go and win the whole thing, and, and it stuck with it throughout the whole, the whole competition. I predicted England to win the whole competition, like Ayush, and I also predicted Joss Butler to be the player of the tournament. Neither went particularly well. Um, I think they almost hinged upon each other a little bit. And and I remember at the time thinking I kind of needed to pick an English player for the player of the tournament if I predicted them to win it. Um, in hindsight, maybe could have could have chosen a better option. Yeah, I, I just don't think really any of the English players really stood out, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but I was I was somewhat pleased with my other two other two picks. Rohit Sharma, I said, would be the leading run scorer 
who came second with about 600 runs in the end. And I also went for Shaheen Shah Afridi uh, to be the leading run, uh, leading wicket taker. And he came sixth with 18 wickets. Not not too too bad a guesses, I'd say, from those two. But I think we do have to admit that Ayush's predictions are probably the best just because of the Virat Kohli shout. He won it so convincingly. But Sonny, you we didn't have any of your predictions written down. What what did you think before the tournament? Who were you predicting to win? Um, and who were you, were you predicting to be the leading run scorer, leading wicket taker and player of the competition? To win the tournament, I would say I was backing India because we were at home. And yeah, same as Ayush for the leading run getter, Virat Kohli, no one else. This isn't in hindsight. I'm I'm just saying that this is my gut feeling that if there's a tournament happening in India, then I'm backing Virat Kohli. On on the wicket front, I assume you weren't picking Mohammad Shami considering he wasn't even starting for India at the beginning of the tournament? No. Mohammad Shami was the breakout star of the tournament, I'd say. He came came in four matches late, still ended up being the leading wicket taker and taking mo- one more wicket than Adam Zampa and also his Bowling strike rate is quite impressive. Just, I think, 10 points something, which is marvellous. Uh, given the way India, you know, India fielded the side of the Asia Cup, it was clear that they were preferring Siraj over Shami. And you just expected that they would go that way for the World Cup as well. But who would have thought that Mohamed Shami would come in and eventually be even better than Jaspreet Bumrah throughout the tournament? And, I mean, he, he averaged 10 at the end of everything. And that's just incredible. I mean, he could have easily had at least 30 wickets uh, if he would have played from the first match, given the way he was going in each and every match. It is absolutely crazy that a 33-year-old is probably the breakout star from a tournament. Um, But I mean, who knows? He might be there in four years' time leading the line. I think it would be mighty impressive if he does. Um, I mean, I'd say for me, the breakout star was probably Madashanka or... Well, well, on the bowling front, Madashanka, but I think batting front, it's got to be Ratchin Ravindra, hasn't it, Michael? Yeah, definitely. He was, uh, I mean, he's not in the ICC team of the tournament, which is an interesting one. Um, a lot of people saying he's been robbed there, but yeah, three centuries. I think he's the first New Zealand player to score three centuries in a tournament. Crazy, amazing story. Um, I mean, I used to say in the 2019 World Cup final, he was watching it in a pub or something. Uh, so yeah, it's a nice story, and he yeah he's, he's he looks like he's nailed on to take that Kane Williamson's number three spot in the batting order for the next decade. You know, so amazing tournament from him. One last question before we finish off the, our World Cup coverage. I shall start with you for this one. Do you think this Indian side is the best World Cup team to never win a World Cup or to not win the World Cup? They were completely unbeaten until the final. Without a doubt, I mean this has been, I've never seen a better limited overs Indian side than this one. Uh, you know, I think the 20, 2007 uh, team that won the T20 World Cup was close. They, they were really powerful. And uh, 2011 was good as well. But this team was much better than the one in 2011 that ended up winning the World Cup. And that just shows you, right? I mean, you can be the best team in the world and not end up winning if you don't play the b- biggest moments well. Australia, I mentioned this earlier as well. This World Cup, not even the 2021 T20 World Cup, which they won in the Middle East, they were not close to being the best team of the tournament in both. But again, Australia, they know how to win the big moments. They know that once 
they get a few wins under the belt they know how to get the job done and yeah definitely with india i think yeah, it is the best indian team to have not won a title and well if they couldn't have if this team couldn't win the title it's difficult to see um them win it win you know the odi world cup the next couple of times as well but as we've seen in in in, in cricket especially you don't have to be the best team at the end of the day maybe they there comes a world cup where just like what with england in 2019 they lose 2 3 look like they may not even make the knockouts and they end up going winning the entire thing so but yeah this it's going to be we've been seeing it with the social media posts and the dressing room vibe as well uh, with this indian team after what happened yesterday they are really heartbroken and this one hurts this one definitely hurts because it was there for the taking and they just couldn't get the job done so probably the best indian team i've seen in this format and yeah they couldn't win it what do you think of that sunny yeah i have similar feelings like this was the team like they've been in, su- in such incredible form all throughout the tournament until yesterday so there was a lot to celebrate about back home as well when they were winning with such huge margins either they were uh, like they were they cruised through the league stage and then we avenged the new zealand loss back in 2019 and i thought that we we would win this like i was backing i, I hadn't written australia off completely but i was hoping that we would win it but sadly it wasn't to be and yeah i i probably agree with ayush that this is arguably the best indian team to have never lifted that trophy can you see this indian team coming back and winning in four years time or or was this their one chance and and it could be all over for them yeah if it was like an end of an era with rohit sharma kind of he won't be there um and it just feels like in this tournament it was just perfectly set up for them to win and they were by far the best team they had the best coach best players you know it it was written in the stars for them to win but it wasn't to be that's at the end of the day finals are lottery and you know they came out as the as the losers so yeah um i think yeah of course they can bounce back you know the um they've got the they've got some good young players coming through um interestingly i've just seen that um suya kumar yadav has just been named as the captain for the t20 side against uh, in the new uh in the series against australia on which starts on thursday which is crazy by the way um yeah So that's interesting. So there's definitely going to be some changes like there is with so many of these countries, you know, New Zealand, India, England, India, Pakistan, they're all going through these end of an era. So it's exciting. I'm excited for 2027. It's going to going to be a good one, you know, with all these new players coming through and yeah. Be interesting. No, there's a there's a long four years I think until till we get there, but it'll be exciting hopefully. And I mean, who knows how much actual ODI cricket they'll play over those four years. It might be couple of ODIs here and there and just the the champions trophy or maybe some teams last start taking it a bit more seriously that was all we have time for on this episode of the one short podcast we'll be back in just a few days to go through our team of the tournament where we'll somehow have to try and come to consensus about what our lineup looks like so make sure to stay tuned until then and we'll see you guys next time sports social podcast network